What's up, everybody? Everybody settle down. Episode three. Here we go. I'm Charlie Marlowe. That's Eric Messersmith. Eric, as always, we got a lot to talk about today. Absolutely. New Hampshire is over and uh, the race for the nomination might be over in both parties. Yeah. So let's let's start with the GOP side, which I think it's fair to say is the more interesting side. Basically, for I, now. I keep looking for now. That's right. For now. I keep looking at Twitter to get the official total. I don't know exactly, but I'm seeing basically Trump 54, 55%-ish, Haley 43. So basically it's an 11-point victory. Going in some polling, it looked like it could be a 19-point win for Trump. So is that a decent night for Haley? But also the fact that you had a bunch of people who apparently weren't Republicans voting for her. So I don't really know what we're supposed to extrapolate from the numbers. It, I think it is a decent night for Haley, but the problem is when you're in a two-person race and you're losing in a state, you probably had your best chance to win in. Decent's most likely not good enough. So the average, the polling actually has been pretty good because if you looked at the average of polls heading into New Hampshire, last I saw, it was right around 11-12. That was kind of the average of the recent polling, and that seems to be right on almost exactly the result. The polling, by the way, was very good in Iowa, too. So that's just something to keep in mind as we look at general election polls coming up, you know, in the coming months that so far, because polling, you know, from year to year, some years it's been very accurate and some years it's been pretty far off. So, so far this year, pollsters seems to have a, seem to have a good handle, at least on the Republican primary. But the result, look, you could spin it just like most things, one of two ways. If you're on the Trump side, you say we won in a contested Republican contest, Iowa and New Hampshire, both by double digits. No one in recent memory has won both of those states in a contested primary. In fact, I don't even know who the last Republican was in a contested uh, primary and caucus to do that. It's been so long. That's number one, right? If you look from the other side, you could say he's essentially an incumbent president. And all of these people, many of whom served with him, decided they would run against him rather than support him, including, of course, Nikki Haley, who was his ambassador to the UN. And he only got a little bit over half the vote in the first two contests. And as you mentioned, in a state where independents were voting, and those independents are going to be critical when it comes to the general election. So I think you can spin it either way. But the bottom line is Trump is a weak candidate, just as Biden is, but he's almost certain to be the nominee. And I think that's just where you, that's just at the end of the day where I land. Yeah, you know, as I'm trying to look ahead to what's going on, until I saw this, I kind of forgot that, you know, for South Carolina, it's different. The dates are different for the Democrats and Republicans. And we have to wait a freaking month. We have to wait a month. So to me, it's kind of funny. I feel like all this is going to do is going to make the Haley donors just waste probably tens of millions of dollars more to lose again in a month. Let's just Let's just get it over with. But now we got to sit here and we got to kind of wait for another month. Yeah, it looks that way. Hey, look, if I were Haley, I would probably stay in too. She's most likely not going to be vice president. Trump's already pissed at her. You saw the speech last night after New Hampshire. We're recording this the day after. Uh, after Iowa, Trump was very gracious. Not gracious at all after New Hampshire. Going right after Haley, questioning her dress at one point. I mean, he typical Trump stuff. And so does she really want to put up with that for another month? On the one hand, you could argue maybe not, but why not try to make one last stand in your home state? 
You know, it's your home state. You were the governor there. The, the, the people there know you better than anywhere else. Try. You have a month. To, and look, with Trump, who knows? He's old. He's got all kinds of legal problems. Republicans may finally wake up and realize that they are about to nominate a person who gives them, I would say, a significant smaller chance to win the general election than the candidate who's going to finish second. So maybe some rationality prevails if that's what they care about. If you care about winning, I think a lot of Republican voters, yeah, they want to win, but that's not their their primary concern. And that's why they're backing Trump. But you never know. You might as well stay in and maybe something with Trump finally happens to convince a a small portion because you don't need everybody. You need like, you know, a quarter of his base or 20 percent of his base to be like, this is too much. It's gone too far. He's not the best choice. Let's go with someone who gives us a better chance to win. So with that rationale, if I'm Haley, I probably stay into just in case. And so I was looking at some different polling here. I saw one for South Carolina. Um, It's funny. A lot of the internal Trump polls has Trump winning by 30, 40 points. I'm thinking that that can't be right. So one I found recently, and this was today, was South Carolina, Trump 53, Haley 41. So a 12-point margin. That that seems about right, don't you think, for South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, look, South Carolina is going to be different than New Hampshire. In some ways, it's better, obviously, because it's her home state. But in some ways, it's worse because the the electorate in New Hampshire seems to be much more moderate and much on the Republican side and much more skeptical of Trump than uh, the South Carolina electorate. I mean, there was some some exit polling from that I found interesting. So CNN had this exit polling. Do you think Biden won the 2020 election legitimately? 50 percent said yes. 47 percent said no, which first of all, let me just let's just pause on that for a second. That is stunning. I mean, I know we should be used to this by now. But it is stunning that a man and his movement have convinced half the voters in a primary to believe something that isn't true. Is that just Republicans? That's that's Republicans. Republicans. Do you believe Biden legitimately won the election? And, And half said yes, half said no. So that that's just a stunning thing that half the people believe something that isn't true because of Donald Trump of those voters who did they, they vote for if you thought Trump um for if you break it down Trump and Haley so Trump voters did Biden win the election legitimately it, no 80% yes 17 Haley voters yes 85 no 15 so you see <laughs> that was essentially the thing if you believed the the reality if you if you believe the truth which sounds weird to say you voted for Nikki Haley if you believe that Donald Trump actually won in 2020 then you voted for Donald Trump I think in South Carolina there's going to be more of that second group of voters that believe Trump won than there were in New Hampshire and so I think it's going to be a little harder there in that regard but I mean look the the evidence is overwhelming there was another general election poll that came out this week because while they were sampling New Hampshire they asked people who would you vote for in the general election, Biden or Trump, and then Biden, Haley? Well, guess what happened? Biden beat Trump in New Hampshire in that survey from uh, from Marist. Haley beat Biden. And that look, that's one state, but that's a, a swingy state. And it's yet another example of what we've talked about, that 
the, the evidence would lead you to believe what also just seems completely logical, which is Nikki Haley is a much better candidate than Trump in a general and gives you a much, at least a little bit better chance to win and maybe a much better chance. But yet Republicans are, are most likely going to choose to nominate the person who gives them less of a chance to win, which in a way I respect, right? I respect that. It. It's just like, you know what? This is who we want. And winning is is a secondary consideration. It's the complete opposite. Again, we talked about this last week. It's the complete opposite of what the Democrats did in 2020. But do you think in their in their head, though, they actually believe Trump does give them a better chance to win? Because I understand the loyalty aspect. But I think we're also in an era where it is hard to believe some of these polls. We have seen the polls be wrong, obviously, with Hillary was supposed to win in 16. There was supposed to be a red wave in 2022. A lot of this polling has been off. So do you think, do you think these voters just don't believe that? And, and maybe it's, it's not just about, okay, we don't like Nikki Haley. She's a neocon. We love Trump. But we also don't believe that. We, we actually think, no, Donald Trump, he's been the president before he actually gives us the best chance to win. I don't believe that, Poland. You know, I think based on talking to some Trump voters that I know and also just kind of my gut, I think they believe that Biden is such a weak candidate that it doesn't matter, that Trump's okay. baggage doesn't matter, that that Trump has is going to win the election. And maybe Haley would give you a slightly better chance, but it's, it's a shoe in anyway because they believe Biden is so flawed mainly because of his age, but also his policies that they I think in their mind, they think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other in terms of winning who, Trump's going to win. So I th I don't I think that's number one. But number two, I think beyond that, it's also not about just winning. It, it's also kind of an existential fight of what the Republican Party is. And there's a lot of Republicans out there. <laughs> I know some of them. They view Nikki Haley as no different than Hillary Clinton. Or Joe Biden, which if you look at their positions is, how do I put this nicely? Crazy. I, that is, that's insane that Nikki Haley is in no way like Hillary Clinton or except maybe in support of Ukraine. Right. But that is the, it's, it's this idea the Vivek Ramaswamy gives voice to this corporate, corporate globalist pro-war, you know? And so that is kind of the belief system. I think of a lot of the Trump base is that the Democrats are bad, but many of the Republicans are just as bad. And Trump is something different and better. And that's who I support. He happens to be a Republican. Yes, but it's more about I support Trump and less about I support the Republican Party. So speaking of polling, I was looking at this. This is a Harris messenger poll. It's a general election poll. And they have Trump versus Biden. They also have Trump versus Biden with RFK Jr. thrown in there. I don't know if you saw this one, but this was on, on Twitter. I saw this Harris Messenger poll earlier today. General election had Trump beating Biden 48-41. Heads up. If you throw RFK Jr. into the mix in this poll, he's getting 12%. So he's, he's pushing Ross Perot type, type numbers in this poll. And that one was Trump 42, Biden 33, RFK Jr. 12. So it looks like RFK Jr. is is pulling from, from both, but a little bit more Biden in this poll. So 
So Trump would win by nine points if RFK Jr. was in. He'd win by seven if it was Trump versus Biden. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think that's close to accurate? I think it is for now. I, I, I would say if the election were held today, that's probably about how it would turn out or next week. Uh, but of course, we have nine months to go. Look, my I'll start with the RFK piece because I think that's very interesting. Th- those are pretty high numbers. I mean, I think, as you mentioned, Perot, Perot got, I think, 19% in 1992, a little bit less than that. Uh, in 96, he didn't do quite as well when he ran again. So we have not seen a third party candidate anywhere near that in since then, in 30, you know, 30 years. My general feeling on RFK is like most third party candidates, he will fade as you get closer. And as people start to make because so many people have such a strong distaste for either Trump or Biden that I just find it hard to believe that at the end of the day, they won't just hold their nose and vote for the other one in order to deny the one they really like a dislike from getting the presidency. But this is such a crazy time in politics and everything is so upside down that I'm beginning to doubt that assumption. My assumption was he'd fall back to around 5%, but maybe not. Maybe he stays in the 10 to 15% range. And if he does, I think that's slightly bad news for Biden. I mean, I think right now he's pulling roughly from both of them, but Biden's doing a little bit worse in the three-way races than he is in the two-way races. The thing, too, you have to remember about RFK is Donald Trump's not talking about RFK Jr. right now. Joe Biden's not talking about RFK Jr. Their their supporters are not talking about him. That will change. If he stays in that 10 to 20% range, you, you will see when these primaries conclude both Trump and Biden and their backers going after him because he's pulling votes from both of them. And that will be interesting how he responds to that. Also, the media is going to go after him in a way that they have only kind of started to. And if you followed RFK Jr., you know there is a lot of stuff there. I mean, there is from the vaccine conspiracies to all of the other things that the controversial, controversial things he has said. There's a lot to go after. So that's my general feeling on RFK Jr. Trump Biden is interesting because, and here's where I think the Trump people are wrong about what I said earlier. When they said, when, when they're, I think their feeling is Biden's going down no matter what. Trump's going to beat her, beat him. And in a lot of polling, Trump's up by the average right now is about two points. And because of his advantage in the Electoral College, most likely Trump could still lose the election by a couple points in the popular vote like he did in 2016 and still win the Electoral College. That's very, very possible. But I think if you look deeper in the polling, and I think this is from the same survey you pointed out, Harris, they also asked the question, who would you vote for if Trump is convicted of inciting the January 6th riot, which is part of the federal charges against him by the special prosecutor. That same poll that had Trump beating Biden head to head by, I think, five points. If Trump is convicted, it flips and Biden wins 52-48. And this is, I think, what Republicans are missing is there are people who actually, God bless them, and I'm, I'm so glad they're out there, who actually care about like what happens. They haven't already made up their mind. They're not <laughs> Team Biden no matter what or Team Trump no matter what. They're not part of that culture we've talked about where politics has become like being a sports fan. They are not part of the, of the tribe of either. Tri- or, or, and they are willing to see what happens. And they have what I think is a very fair position, which is, look, if a jury of 12 convicts a guy of trying to overturn an election, that should matter on whether or not I'm going to vote for that same guy to be president again. Right. I mean, I know that is 
I know for some people that might blow their mind, but that's a pretty rational position. Like if you have a trial and all the evidence is presented and, and a jury of 12 says, you know what? This guy is guilty of criminally trying to steal an election. I'm not then going to vote for that guy again. That makes sense to me that at least some people would have that opinion. And it's a very strong probability or possibility that that's going to happen between now and the election. And unfortunately for Haley and DeSantis, they weren't making that argument as strongly as they could have. And I think they did that because strategically they didn't think that it would help them with the Republican base. But I think that is the thing that a lot of Trump supporters are overlooking right now that could because you because oftentimes we say what's going to change what's going to change in the next nine months well that could change yeah as you're talking there i was trying to find this this poll this is from earlier it's uh quinnipiac and i can't find the exact polling but i i had it a, a month or so ago and and basically it's about you know do you think do you think donald trump not just is uh responsible but but should be prosecuted for january 6th and the majority of Democrats said yes, and an overwhelming number. I can't remember exactly. Obviously, Republicans said no, but but moderates or independents also, it was in the 50s, 54%, whatever it was. And so to me, I, I just wonder, because I think January 6th was a very hot button issue. I mean, it still is, but it, it clearly, if you look at exit polling, it really affected the 2022 midterms. I'm interested to see how it's going to affect 2024. But I agree with you. And I'm just looking at this from, from my own standpoint. If you look at a lot of the stuff that Trump is being indicted over, now you can make the argument, did he do these things? Okay. But also is this kind of ticky tack misdemeanor stuff, which I don't even know if we should really base it on that. But I don't think people care, for example, about the documents. You can make the argument on the other side. Okay. Well, Pence did it. Joe Biden did it. I understand Donald Trump didn't cooperate, but I think from a from a political standpoint, you can say, ah, they were both doing it. Kind of the Stormy Daniels thing, right? Okay, we know what happened with Stormy Daniels. They paid her off. You can also make the political argument, oh, Bill Clinton back in the day, he was doing this and that with Monica Lewinsky, blah, 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 blah. I, I do think the January 6th piece is the one that really matters to me. And and does it matter to the Trump base? No. But I do think that's the one because you're you're basically you're telling folks you didn't see what you saw. Because everybody watched January 6th. Right. Everybody knows that the first tweet out there was Donald Trump saying Mike Pence didn't do his job. I understand there's been a media sanitization of what's happened and I understand why strategically, but I think mm. that's really hard for Donald Trump and the Republicans to pull off because again, you're you're telling folks to not believe what they all watched that day. I think you make a great point because of the the silos that that people are in. I think people look at the 91 indictments he's facing over the four cases, and if you're anti-Trump, you're like, oh, he's guilty of all this stuff. You know, he's he's going down. If you're pro-Trump and you're in that silo, you're like, well, all of it is all of it is crazy. All 91. They're all the same. And those are kind of the positions that have hardened on each side. But the reality, of course, is if you look at these four cases, they are not the same. And again, there are a segment of voters 
thank God, who actually are going to look at these cases and they can tell the difference between a hush money payment of Stormy Daniels out of New York State, which I think Trump has a decent chance to be acquitted on, on those charges. They can tell the difference between that and the special prosecutor charging him with trying to subvert the election. Like those are not the same things. And so that is why the the real danger for Trump in these cases is is the Jack Smith special prosecutor case for trying to to subvert the election. Because the New York case, you know, who knows, he may win that. The documents case is important and I think he probably did it. He's probably guilty. But that that's such a complicated case with national security implications that because of all that, it's probably likely going to happen after the election. And then the Georgia case is interesting, but you've seen the, the issues that uh, the special prosecutor has there. The, the DA, Fonnie Willis, apparently having an extramarital affair with the prosecutor. That case may go past the election, too. The, the key case is the Jack Smith case. And also in the polling, it matters, too, because Harris polled for all of those different cases. And they said, if Trump is convicted of this, this, you know, and they went through each one. And the only one that swung the result was if he's convicted for the case of inciting the January 6th riot slash trying to overturn the election. That was the one where Biden then beats him. That's the one that is the most danger for him politically and legally. And it's, it's likely that one will go to trial. We don't know for sure before the election. And so that's why I say Republicans, it's going to be tough because another New Hampshire uh, exit poll last night from CNN, is Trump fit for the presidency if he's convicted of a, of a felony? 50% yes, 47% no. Now, look, are some of those 47% going to come home and still vote for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they're going to still vote for Trump even if he's convicted. But not all of them. And that, I think, is the weakness that that Trump has with what's coming down the pike. And I think it's what his supporters are by and large overlooking because they see it all as a witch hunt to them. The Stormy Daniels hush money payment case is no different than trying to overturn an election. But to people in the middle, they see a distinction there, which I would agree with. Yeah. And in, in this particular matter, I consider myself in the middle because this is my honest opinion. I've said this on previous shows here. Do I love everything about Donald Trump? No. Did I vote for him? No. But I think he did a pretty good job as president. I don't blame him for COVID. I think everything's been off the rails in the United States and the world since COVID. So there's a lot of things that I don't blame both Trump and Biden for because I think a lot of it is basically ramifications from COVID. But the thing with Donald Trump is, in in my opinion, if, if Donald Trump would have just taken the L. Okay. I lost. If he walks away, if you don't have all of the, all of the calls of find me 11,000 votes, if you don't have January 6th, if he doesn't even have to write the letter to Joe Biden and and be there, I I understand. Okay. That's, that's typical transfer of power stuff. But if he wants to be petty in those ways, okay. I, I even understand that if he'd have walked away and said, okay, I lost, let's get him next time. To me, he would be the overwhelming favorite. And I think a lot of people, me included, would even say, hey, man, I don't love everything about Trump, but he was a pretty dang good president. But I I truly believe the January 6th piece, the trying to overturn the election, which a lot of people believe happened, 
I, I truly believe for many people that is unforgivable. And a lot of people look at Donald Trump as, as that is disqualifying. And I understand that because that's basically yeah. where I'm at. Me too. Me too. It, it's his Achilles heel. And the, you know, look, for him, for we talk, we know what it is for Biden. It's age and it's immigration. I mean, those are the things killing him. For Trump, it's January. It's it's not just January sixth. That's it, it's the whole. It's all of his conduct after the election, trying to seat fake electors, pressuring Mike Pence to try to somehow change the result or not accept the result. Fi- the call, find me eleven thousand votes. Trying to get the Justice Department to say that the election was fraudulent all of these things that are so far outside of the box of what most people think is acceptable that is trump's biggest achilles heel and his problem is now the same reason that he got himself in that boat in the first place and that's he cannot accept that he lost i mean even after his speech last night in new hampshire like after iowa his speech was very gracious dare i say presidential not last night. I mean, he was going after Haley. He insulted her dress, but even more than, you know, that's whatever. That's the petty stuff we're used to for Trump. Even more than that, in the first couple of minutes of his speech, this wasn't like way into it. In the first few minutes, he, of course, falsely claimed he won the 2020 election. He claimed that he won New Hampshire in the, in the general elections. He lost it twice he lost it in 2016 and 2020 he said he won it it's just not true he claimed that democrats could vote could vote in the new hampshire primary not true republicans and unaffiliated voters could vote in the republican primary not democrats he did that all in a few minutes he can't help himself and i think that's another thing that people underestimate about the baggage of trump is he is going to be in the spotlight even more than he's been in recent months And he's not going to be able to stop himself from saying these things. And for a sliver of voters, that turns them off that may have considered voting for him. And then when you get to a trial and all of the evidence is presented about all of the things we've talked about and the conversations he had with people and the ways that he tried to overturn the election. Again, in a way, I credit Republicans for going with, with who they want. But I think politically and tactically, it is. I think it is a giant mistake, and you are rolling the dice because Trump may still win anyway. Let's be clear. Biden is so unpopular. He may still win anyway, but you are rolling the dice with an election that you probably should win. All right, let me throw this at you because, you know, this is unfortunate, but I do feel like a lot of politics becomes this whataboutism. And, and to me, it, it's, it's fair because I want people to bring up both sides of an issue. Okay. Don't attack one side if you're not going to do it for the other. So you and I both gave our piece there on January 6th. However, I'm, I'm trying to put myself as a Republican or in the shoes of a Trump voter. I can also understand. So this Hunter Biden laptop deal. Okay. I can also understand why, why they're saying, okay, is it that much different though? If the government, FBI, whoever truly did collude with big tech to suppress these stories, like what you saw happen on, on Twitter, even Mark Zuckerberg, if you saw that interview with Joe Rogan, where they basically made it so it was not as pronounced within the algorithm of Facebook. So, you know, that's wrong. And, and if the government is doing that, that's a very bad thing. So when I, when I say that, do you think that's equivalent? Is that a false equivalency? I'm not saying that that means you should go and storm the Capitol, 
that's not the correct response. Right. But again, in this whataboutism that we play politically, I could see how a Trump voter goes, okay, January 6th and all that, but they cheated with, with the collusion of big tech to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, I don't necessarily believe that many people. I remember you've, you've probably heard this stat. 17% of people would change their vote based on the Hunter Biden laptop story. I truly don't believe that. But I understand if you're making that argument, you could say, well, that's just as bad maybe if the government is colluding to suppress information and, and not see the voters, uh, not let the voters get it right before an election. Yeah, I think, look, they're not the same. And, and I think right. that's one of the things that we get into now is, as you mentioned, it is such this whataboutism rather than we used to be able to say, OK, just because two things have some similarities does not mean they are exactly the same. Like it's a crime to steal a candy bar from a convenience store and it's a crime to shoot somebody in the head. They are both crimes, but they are not the same. And I think that is what I it just blows my mind when people try to come up with all of these justifications. Look, Hunter Biden is a mess, right? And, and his conduct <laughs> in his life, and I'm not even talking about his personal stuff because he had an addiction and I, I have sympathy there. But his conduct and the way he sold his that the perceived access to his father for his own personal gain is outrageous. You know, it's outrageous. And then not that's not to mention the potential crimes he's charged with a tax major. So I have no sympathy for Hunter Biden. And I agree that it was wrong of Facebook and Twitter to to what do they call it? Dethrottle that story to not allow for a period. They didn't allow it to be shared. I think they did eventually lift that after a period. But there's no question they did that. And there's no question that the former intelligence officials who came out with that letter and said this is russian disinformation that that made a that played a big in, influence on these social media companies actions and that was wrong but if you hear interviews with some of those people they thought at the time that it was because we knew russia had interfered before we were on the lookout for something this came down the pike rudy giuliani who had possession of the hard drive would not share it he and his associates with other media the New York Post put out that story. Other outlets were like, hey, let, let us look at that. Let us see that. Let us try to verify that. And he didn't do it, right? Now, again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying what Facebook or X did in that regard was right or was how, or in hindsight, it definitely wasn't right. It isn't how I probably would have handled it. I'm, a, I'm big on letting speech out and let people make their case. And that's how it should have been handled. And it was wrong. But it is not the same thing as a systematic effort over a period of months to try to overturn the results of an election. And I think one of the things that's so frustrating about this moment in politics to somebody like me, who's kind of in the middle, who goes back and forth and, and isn't aligned with either camp, is this constant whataboutism and trying to compare things that really aren't alike and, and make it seem as if they are in order to give some type of justification for what is just outrageous behavior. Like Donald Trump's <laughs> say what you will about his presidency. And, and there were some, a lot of things I liked in his presidency, as you mentioned, his conduct after the election is unprecedented. 
No president, you've studied history, no one has done this. There's no comparison to Al Gore in 2000. There's no comparison to the, what's the other thing people throw out? The Democratic electors from Hawaii in 1964, 1960, if you want to Google that. Again, these are not the same thing, but people people <laughs> try to conflate them as the same, and we know why. The reason is to try to downplay what Donald Trump did to make him more palatable to, to people. And to a large degree, it has succeeded. And, and the evidence was from that exit poll I said earlier, when 49% of Republican primary voters in New Hampshire says say that Biden did not win the election legitimately. See, I think we all do this. I, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. But I try to do what I would call fair whataboutism. But at the end of the day, everybody, everybody has their own biases and whatnot. But I look at Hunter Biden, for example. In no way, shape, or form do I think anything that Hunter Biden did was right. But I also think we know enough about Washington, D.C. to know how it works. So nothing that he did, and I'm not talking about the the hookers and the drugs and all that, although that's not a surprise either. It's just big picture. But I'm talking about just kind of the influence, peddling a name and an influence. That's how I expect Washington, D.C. to be. And I'm not saying it's right in any way, but I do my own whataboutism in my head because I'm thinking, okay, obviously he's peddling his last name and his influence to his dad. Uh, you have Ivanka Trump had unbid patents in China. You got Jared Kushner getting $2 billion from the Saudis. To me, I'm kind of like, okay, they both do it. The thing with the Hunter Biden laptop, I, I think, see, I'm with Republicans on this part. If the government does it, it's different. For example, yes, I going agree. back to the Stormy Daniels, the Stormy Daniels story and that Karen McDougal, which is random because like one of the only playboys I had as a kid was the Karen McDougal. <laughs> I think it was a Christmas episode, you know, probably not episode Christmas. Issue. Edition. Yes. Issue. I think I had the same one. <laughs> yes. So like when I heard Karen McDougal, I remember her, but those stories, you know, that whole catch and kill deal, those yeah. stories really didn't get out. So I kind of look at it like, okay, they did it. The Republicans did it. And then, you know, Democrats tried to, to hide the laptop, but I do think it's different when the, when the government joins in on the fight. Um, and I guess I'd also say with those two stories, and I'm just throwing it out there, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop story did get out. People yes. could consume that, yes. but it was suppressed by big tech. And then these other stories I'm bringing up, Stormy Daniels, Karen McDougal, those stories actually did not get out before the 2016 election. So I'm just throwing all of that out there for context. I think we all process these things differently. Yeah, and I think people lose sight of the context again because it's all about the in our politics now it's all about the the ends and be, nobody cares about the the means or the process they they just does this hurt my guy or help my guy or girl or or does it help the team other team or hurt the other team but really what we should try to do is look at what the process is and then you know come to the results later and and you're absolutely right i wish we lived in a in a country where people like the hunter biden thing is a great example i'm so glad you brought that up so Hunter Biden put his legal troubles aside. I it, look, if he's convicted, I hope he goes to prison. I mean, I think that I know this is a crazy standard. If people broke the law and there's proof <laughs> they did it and they are convicted by a jury, I think no matter what their last name is, they should get the punishment they deserve. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but that's kind of where I land. That's my hot take for the day. But put his legal issues aside. 
and put his drug addiction and, and those issues aside. What he did in selling his name and influence was not illegal. It was wrong. And I wish we lived in a system where where Democrats could say this is awful what he did. It wasn't a crime that he that he was taking millions of dollars from Burisma, but it was wrong. And I wish Republicans could say there's no proof that Joe Biden did anything wrong in this regard, but Hunter did. And he shouldn't have done that. And that was wrong. And the two parties could come together and they could craft legislation so that, I don't know, the immediate family members of presidents or high ranking officials aren't allowed to cash in like that on their name with foreign governments for a certain period of time. That is that would be really the way that a healthy democracy would handle that situation. But nobody's talking about that because everybody just retreated into their camps with Hunter Biden. And it was either, it was either, well, he didn't really do anything wrong. We're not going to talk about it. Or Joe Biden should be impeached over it without any evidence that Joe Biden actually did anything wrong. Those were the two positions. And really it was, it was in the, it was something in the middle. It was, let's fix this. Let's, let's make it less likely that someone like Hunter Biden can do this again and cash in on just because he has a, a, a last name of someone who's the president. Okay, let's let's switch it up and talk immigration. You brought this up last week, and it was at the end of the show. We didn't really get to to dive into it. I was ping ponging back and forth. You know, it's funny. I try not to watch cable news, but I usually watch it during elections. And I want to go back and forth and see what the different networks are saying. And in the exit polling, it was clear Republicans in New Hampshire that that immigration was their number one number one issue. And I think, look, we talk about this in a political nature. So to say immigration is, is the best issue, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to obviously uh, uh, lighten the, you know, how, how big of a problem it is, but I think it's the best issue for Republicans. I think it's the worst issue for Democrats. There are some issues where I go, okay, I kind of understand what, what each side is doing. I truly don't understand what Democrats are doing on immigration. I, I think if they lose, besides inflation, Joe Biden's age, but to me, immigration, the Democrats' policy makes no sense. And this is this is reasonable, normal folks are just thinking, well, okay, yeah, you want to have some some migrant workers in here if we if if we need a workforce, but you can't let everybody in. And that's what it seems like is, is happening. You, you kind of look at it and you go, what are you doing? And I can understand why some Republicans are like, well, I'm I'm never gonna vote for Democrat because they are allowing an invasion on the southern border. I, I understand that. I, absolutely. And it's it's Biden's biggest policy weakness. Um, most of the other e- economic indicators, inflation, everything else is kind of trending in the right direction. Violent crime was down last year. But this one is completely opposite. It is trending in the wrong direction big time. We just had a record number in December. And he deserves blame for this. Like, it his administration to me it's 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 their their policy that i disagree with the most i think that they have totally mishandled this there was a way to manage it better but not necessarily go back to all of the trump policies but they just completely went the other way and it hasn't worked at all and i think they know that and i think that's why you hear this talk of negotiations in the senate between republicans and democrats to try to craft a bill that will change our asylum laws and and parole with with people at the border because it has gotten out of control to the point now where Democrats are speaking out about it. John Fetterman, senator from Pennsylvania, is like, hey, I'm pro-immigrant, but 
we we have to have an orderly system. We can't have chaos at our border. You see the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, these big cities are being stressed by it. And and the governor of Texas, I don't agree with everything he's done, but he is certainly right that that Texas and these other border states shouldn't have to bear this burden for the rest of the country. Like, this is crazy. And I'm glad that he is he is sending some of these immigrants to big cities like Chicago and New York so they can see what it is like to have to deal with this. It it, it has to be fixed. I mean, it really is. You can't. I'm very pro immigrant, but you can't have a country where you have this degree of chaos and lawlessness at a border. It's just unsustainable. Why do you think this is the Democrats' policy? And I ask this because it, it's easy to go conspiracy theory and say, okay, well, they're trying to, to get more people coming in to vote illegally. Now, I do think there's some, quote-unquote, bad hombres coming in. I think for the most part, people are coming in here because they want to work here. Now, now that doesn't mean that we have to let everybody in, just so everybody knows when I, when I say that right there. So I, I just wonder because... I always say this to me, you always follow the money. And I think at the end of the day, this isn't just a Democrat issue, although Democrats are the ones getting hammered for it because it is Biden's weakest issue. But I would just think that business and corporations in the United States, both Democrats and Republicans, love this cheap labor and need this cheap labor. And let's be real, there's a lot of Americans that don't want to do this labor. And it it, when I say helps, it hurts, but it, it helps suppress wages. And, you know, I don't see this as much in St. Louis, but I spent a lot of time in Chicago and you know this, if most big cities, I'm sure it happens in LA where you live. If you in the morning drive by any type of Lowe's or Home Depot, you're going to see a bunch of workers that are, that are sitting there in the morning, ready to go off on a crew of a construction site. And that, that happens in every, in every big city. So I think big picture, like I have a lot of business owner friends that are very anti and I know some of their crews, if they, if they checked everything, right, what that would look like. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, there's not even a question there. But, but I do think, unfortunately, that this whole country, we use that cheap labor to suppress wages for everyone. We do. And I talked earlier about the, the Hunter Biden thing and how that uh, is an example of our broken politics. But I think also immigration is maybe the biggest example of our broken politics, because if we had a healthy political system, we would have come to a large scale immigration reform decades ago. You know, people have tried. George W. Bush tried. It, it failed. There was an effort early in Obama's administration. It failed. We haven't had immigration reform in this country of any consequence in 30 years. I mean, think of how much the world has changed in the last 30 or 40 years. Think how much immigration patterns have changed. And so that is the biggest reason. The biggest reason is we haven't fixed it. Now, why haven't we fixed it? Well, that gets into your point. There are people respond to incentives. And on the political side, the incentives on the on for both parties is to not compromise because you have some people on the left who only want to deal if it gives them everything they want. And you have some people on the right who only want to deal if it gives them everything they want. And they, as we talked about, I think, in our first episode, one of the trends of politics of the last 30, 40 years is the power those bases have over elected officials has gotten more and more and more robust over time. 
And so it's so hard to find that solution in the middle. And that is why we are in the mess we are in, combined with the fact that the word got out that if you if you come to the border and claim asylum, you will be released into the interior of the United States and you will have an asylum court date sometime in the future. And in a lot of these countries, the situations deteriorated over time in, in, in a lot of these countries. It's worse than it was several decades ago because of natural disaster, because of local government, because of crime and poverty. And so you have more and more people that want to come and want to make the journey. And so that is how you get to where you are right now. And like, it makes sense to change. It's just a, it's just a no brainer that if, if the vast majority of people are denied asylum, which they are, and we could make them claim asylum outside the country and wait until their case is adjudicated, it makes sense to do that. But we don't do it. Why don't we do it? Well, because the base of the Democratic Party won't allow Joe Biden to do it. And I think that's why this immigration uh, legislation that's likely coming down the pike, because remember, you have a bunch of things. You have the money for Ukraine, the money for Israel, money for other things like Taiwan. Republicans, I think, very smartly said, OK, we're only going to do that if you also make policy changes on the border to asylum laws. And Biden appears willing to do that because he sees the same polling you and I do. He knows that's his biggest Achilles heel. So he seems ready to make a deal. And so this is a rare moment where the politics and the incentives may actually line up to finally get something done to get some control over the border. And I hope it does, because it's very, very hard to get these things accomplished. And this may be a moment, a rare moment where the incentives actually line up to make it happen. I hope it does also, but I wonder, and I can't remember who said this, but there is, and you may, maybe you do, but there was some Republican politician who basically said, well, at this point in election year, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm so willing to help out Joe Biden, help him solve immigration right before an election. And I hate to say it, but I get that. And, and I was somebody who said, look, do I think COVID was a real thing? Absolutely. Did I think it was a hoax? No. Do I think we took it too far in a lot of different ways? Yes. Do I think in 2020, the Democrats used and weaponized COVID because it was benefiting them, whether it's just not just to vote by mail, but just kind of the overall tenor of, of the economy and you know, the longer COVID lasted, the more depressed people were. If you're depressed, you're going to vote for somebody else. You're not going to vote for the president there. I do think that that Democrats weaponized COVID. They wanted to, to last as long as possible because I think it did help them electorally in 2020. I can see how, how now, if you're a Republican, you're like Joe Biden, you didn't fix it for the first three years. Well, why the hell am I going to help you now? Help you get reelected when we can just wait nine months until Trump is elected and we'll fix it. I, I understand even though it's not right, I understand why Republicans at this point wouldn't want to cooperate. You're right. And that's what's going to play out over the next few weeks. In fact, there's reports out there that the that, that Trump is pressuring and he's even said some of this publicly. He's pressuring Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, to not even bring this deal up when it finally gets done here because of that fact. He doesn't want Biden to get a win on policy. And also there's this belief that, well, when I'm president, I'll just fix it, which to some degree 
there he can he can he could do things like reinstitute the remain in mexico policy and you know end catch and release so there is there are things presidents can do with executive authority but that that changes with each administration the argument the the republic the, the argument that if you are a republican and you support trump and you want to see him win the argument of why you should support this deal assuming it's a good deal we we'll see what happens in the coming days is because it's a permanent change in the law and so it would apply to any president republican and democrat and it would potentially and again we haven't seen the language yet but it would it would dramatically decrease the number of people coming across the border and lead to a more orderly system so how are you going to get that result well you could lose the election like donald trump as we've talked about could lose and so if you don't take this deal now and trump loses are you going to get a better deal next year when Biden's reelected, probably not. And then the alternative universe, what if Trump wins? Let's say Trump wins. Even if you have a Republican House and a Republican Senate, you need 60 votes in the Senate to do anything controversial. They're not the Republicans are not going to have 60 votes under any scenario. So are you going to get I don't know 7 8 9 Democrats in the Senate to vote with you to reform immigration laws with President Trump's deal? In 2025, I think that's highly unlikely. So that's why I said the political incentives rarely are actually aligned now to get something done in a way that I don't think they will be in 2025 or 2026, no matter who wins the election. So it's really kind of a unique moment. If you if you care about again, this goes back to do you care about actually fixing the problem or do you care about just the political ramifications? I think that that's going to be the test that a lot of Republicans are going to have to ask themselves, you know, in the coming weeks and months. And I think the the immigration piece has hit this critical mass, and maybe it has for, for a while. Because if you go back to the 2022 midterms, it was clear that Republicans were running on crime, immigration, you know, economy, inflation at the time, but that was still pretty close to COVID. It's, it's kind of funny because now I feel like the perception is actually worse about the economy, even though it's way better than it was in 2022. But again, I understand that because if the stock market's high and all that and unemployment's low, well, you know what? If you're not feeling that at home, I'm not going to be mad at you if, if you're not loving the economy right now. I'm, I'm not going to denigrate people who say, oh, hey, my life hasn't improved. I understand that. What I'm trying to say, though, is if you go to 2022, clearly Republicans, crime, immigration. And even though those were very important issues, those were not the issues that that swung the electorate. Back then, it was Roe v. Wade. It was January 6th. You can point to some of the bad candidates, mostly handpicked by Trump in the Senate. That was the issue. What I'm trying to say is, I feel like now, two years later, immigration is the one that, that remains. It's still there. You know, I, and I'm not saying that that crime is no longer an issue, but I feel like this is my perception and, and what I see in the media and talking to people. The crime piece we were talking about the, a lot the last the last couple years, and I feel like that's dissipated a bit. It's still an issue, but the immigration thing is is not going away at all. And I wonder if this election in 2024 it actually does propel Trump and the Republicans to a victory when it didn't. In 2022, and maybe it should have, maybe Democrats and independents should have been paying more attention back in 2022. But I feel like now it's reached the point where everybody has to pay attention. And now this may be the one issue that allows Republicans to win. 
You know, it could be for sure. And, and so far, it has been the number one issue among, uh, if you look at the exit polling, Republican primary voters in both Iowa and New Hampshire, more, more so than the economy. Now, among all voters, it, it may still be behind the economy, but it's it's become such a big issue because for good reason, the problem has gotten so much worse. And that's where the trend is really important. So it's it's about Remember, the election's not in January or February. It's in November, right? So that is why I said it's critical for Biden to get this deal because he needs to show, hey, it hasn't been great, but look at the trend line and point to the record number we had in December of over 300,000. If he can say, I helped pass this bill, those changes were implemented, and now look, it's here are the numbers for May, June, July, and it's dramatically lower. That is an argument. Will that convince everybody? Of course not. Some people will be like, well, what what the hell did you do for the first three years? Come on. You're not serious about this. You only did this because you were facing re-election, which there's truth to that, right? But it can, can it convince enough people that, you know what? Things are getting better. I don't really like Trump. I don't like Biden that much either, but Trump scares me because of January 6th. And Biden, I don't like the immigration thing, but at least we're moving in the right direction, right? These are the kind of arguments and the calculations that people are going to be making among if if it's Biden and Trump, which it looks more and more likely that it will be between two candidates that a lot of people don't really love. Right. It, both. And so they're going to be looking at, well, OK, maybe he didn't do a great job of immigration for the first three years, but he got a deal done. The numbers are way down. And maybe that's enough to get him to at least be competitive on that issue right he doesn't have he's not going to win the immigration issue over trump that's maybe trump's strongest issue people by and large like what trump did on the border compared to Biden. so Biden's not gonna be able to beat him on immigration but can he at least make it a fight it's kind of like the inverse of the abortion issue if you look at polling that's biden's best issue in fact i saw a poll the other day that was the only issue where biden beats trump by double digits everything else he either lost to trump or it was close but abortion was the one thing Biden had. Trump isn't going to beat Biden on abortion, but he just has to be competitive. He has to come out with a position that seems reasonable enough that he doesn't get crushed on the issue. And I think that is what Biden is going to have to try to do on immigration. The the thing about abortion, we've had this conversation on my radio show, is uh, look, I, I understand if if you are pro-life and that's something that you really believe in your heart. I, I totally understand that. But when the country, a large swath of the country is not with you on that particular issue, I just sometimes wonder if you look at the last couple of years, if, if the country is not aligned with you on, on this one and you, you could have lost 2022 because of it, hell, maybe you lose 2024 again. I, I don't know. Every time abortion is on, any of these ballots in any state, it's an easy victory, even in these red states. And I, I think to myself sometimes, if I'm a Republican, am I willing to basically lose elections on all these other policies where the country is more aligned with you on the economy or immigration or crime? Are, are, are you willing to potentially lose all of these other policy issues because of abortion? Even even when it's clear, even if you believe in your heart, it's the right thing to do. The country doesn't doesn't agree with you. So at some point, I just I just wonder if if Republicans have to say, look, man, we're we're pro-life, but we're losing everything on this. We're losing all of these other ways we can benefit the country. We're losing all these elections based on this this one issue. 
Yeah, look, I think for to, to their credit, to give people the benefit of the doubt, I think for a lot of people, it is just an issue of principle, more so than maybe any other issue. Yeah. And they just believe it is right. And they are willing to face the political consequences, which they've already faced. I mean, when abortion has been on the ballot, I think it's been seven times in one way or another on states. It is lost every time. Uh, or the, the pro-choice side has won every time, including in states like Ohio and Kansas, like Republican states. Not to mention, it did play a part in the, the Republican losses, no, no question, in 2022. And if Republicans lose in 24, I'm not saying it'll be the main factor, but it will certainly be one of the factors. The, the only thing that I could see Republicans could do, well, there's two things. Number one, as we as we talked about with Nikki Haley on a, on a previous episode, the way you talk about it matters. It's not just what your position is. It's how do you talk about the issue? Do you frame it as, hey, I think that we need to help mothers in many different ways. I'm I think we need more contraception. I think we need more care for for mothers. I think we maybe need to expand daycare or family leave and and adoption, make adoption easier and and give women more resources and have exceptions for things like rape and and the life of the mother and maybe even the health of the mother and and have a period where abortion is legal for a brief time. Like those if you talk about it in a certain way that helps. The other thing too is at the federal level Part of the argument conservatives made, which I thought was a fair argument, is the problem with Roe versus Wade is that it barred people from getting to make the decision. It closed the issue, a contentious political issue, which I think in general, content, really contentious political issues should be decided by the executive branch and the legislative branch. In general, there are exceptions to that. If it doesn't clearly violate the Constitution, let the people decide. That was the conservative argument. I think it was a good argument, and ultimately it was the argument the Supreme Court decided sided with. You won. You won that issue. The problem now is you're like, well, that's not good enough, a lot of Republicans. They're like, now we need a federal ban. And I think some people look at that and be like, wait a minute. Wasn't the whole point of overturning Roe versus Wade so that people would get to make the decision at the, at the state level? A federal ban, by definition, would take that out of the hands of the state level and just set a national standard. And so I think that is the way Republicans could get around this, is they could say, look, I'm pro-life. I want to see states adopt pro-life policies. I was against Roe versus Wade, but now that it's overturned, let states decide. And California is going to come up with a different decision than Georgia and Florida. And that's OK. That, to me, is the is the way you win the issue if you're a Republicans. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. A full disclosure, we were experiencing some technical difficulties earlier, way before, but I think this whole, this whole episode, almost an hour, went off good after we figured it all out, and now I have to go pick my kids up. So I got, I got to call it here, Eric. But we got an hour. I think everything looked good, sounded good, and uh, not bad, buddy. All right. Yeah, it was fun, Charlie. We'll, we'll uh, do it again next week. All right, everybody settle down. Episode three, comment, like, subscribe, share the channel, share the video, share the show, tell your friends about it, put it on social media, put it in the group text. Thank you, Eric. We will see you guys next week as we now, I guess, wait four weeks for South Carolina. I guess that's what we're going to do. See ya.